Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And and welcome back to Hardline. Uh, Kevin Hardwick and Bill Conrad sitting here with April Baskin, the Erie County Legislature's Majority Leader. If you have a question for April, she'll be here for another 10 minutes or so. Number to call, 803-0930, 803-0930. One person that did call that number, George from Tonawanda. George, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I'd like to uh, just have... April Baskin, keep your eye on the bottom line. That's the most important thing I think any legislator could do. When you're up there in legislature, not too long ago, the whole place went bankrupt because the legislature with the county executive, mm-hmm. not long ago, you were, you were not there. I don't. No, I was not there. Thank you for pointing that out. No, you were not. In fact, the person you replaced was there for 17 years, and her greatest accomplishment, Lynn Marinelli, was that she helped bankrupt the whole county. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I didn't. Peter Savage uh, replaced her. I, I'm in the city of Tonawanda. I follow the line of Swanick and Ionello. But anyway, I think you make a, you make a good point. Yes. Um, it, my representative, Lynn Marinelli, was my representative. Mm-hmm. And again, she was there for 17 years. And the biggest accomplishment she had was that she bankrupted the county. All services ended. Employees were out the door. Everything was shut down. I mean, 17 years, and that's all. Lynn. Yeah, I, I, George, I wouldn't, you know, in fairness, I wouldn't hold that all against Lynn Marinelli. She was there, but there, she, she certainly, there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people had a hand in that. But I think you break up a bring up a good point. I'm going to hold you over, George. Let's let's uh, hear from April. April, you know, people think uh, people think people in uh, who who look like me, mm-hmm. right? Republican, old Republican men think Democrats. Uh, they're going to get in there and they're just going to raise taxes uh, and and increase spending. Um, what do you, what do you say to people like that? I think that that is it. It speaks to my ability, like you mentioned earlier, to reach out and build a strong network of understanding the needs of d- different districts. So I I don't intend on making decisions that just reflect the needs of my district. I understand that we are a body of 11 members, and all of us represent groups of people, thousands, that have different issues. We have to be responsible enough to come to the table and make the best decisions because when one thing changes, it does affect everybody's quality of life. George, do you have a follow-up question, or or, uh, is that a satisfactory answer? I think we've I think we've lost George. Well, we've certainly <laughs> lost George because so. I just hit the drop button. Let me uh, let me move on, April, and ask okay. a question that I had um, about uh, you know you mentioned you 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 check two boxes in terms of people that are different than myself uh, and uh, and and Bill Conrad. You're you're African American, but yes. you're also female. Yes. And the Commission on the Status of Women mm-hmm. recently came out and um, um, uh, um, bemoaned the fact that uh, fewer and fewer women appear to be running for public office or yes. serving in public office. Yes. I mean, there seemed to be a trend for years where it was increasing, mm-hmm. and now it, it seems to have peaked and, and is falling back off again. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, w- women go- govern differently than men, and we have different responsibilities in our walk of life and our journey. Um, I think when we did have a meeting with the commission this week, we all had lunch. Uh, Legislator Dixon did bring up the point of women having to consider their home lives, their children's, not necessarily more than men, but that is just uh, a natural reaction Mm -hmm. and first thought to us. And uh, running for public office and serving the community is a huge commitment. So um, I think the report that came out this week from the Status on Commission of Women is very encouraging. And we see elected officials like uh, Kathy Hochul. We see uh, Monica Wallace. We we, myself, uh, Assemblywoman People Stokes, we're all stepping up to the plate and offering a hand to women to be able to come out of their uh, places of fear and concern mm-hmm. and, and step up and serve. I, I, I want to bring Bill Conrad into this uh, discussion. And, and April brings up a good point about the running and serving, taking time away from the family. Right. I mean, yeah. boy, you, you know, for me, I mean, the surprise is how much time running for the office really takes away. I mean, you ran, uh, you, you've run races, as have I, and you sure. win some, you lose some. <laughs> And the, and the ones that you lose, I've lost races yes, yes. Uh, for county legislature, a couple of them. 
Um, and it, uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's difficult because you spend all this time and you get absolutely nothing. You don't get a job out of it. You get nothing. You don't even get a certificate suitable for framing. Not even a you get nothing. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't get minimum wage for all the hours you spent knocking on doors, everything like that. You get nothing. And I think people don't don't realize how difficult that is. Yeah. I mean, at least serving, you get, you know, you do in most cases, uh, with a few exceptions, get something yes. in terms of monetary remuneration. But also just being able to see the outcome of yes. your work. Yes. You know? And, and that's so important. You know, I teach high school and I teach uh, government class economics. What do you say to young girls in my classes or young, you know, young boys as well? But what do you say to the youth like and how to get engaged? What, you know, what do you see is uh, from your point of view, uh, getting how do you get them started in this process? Uh, of course, uh, volunteering and, and keeping up to date on the issues. I just met with uh, the Cornell Extension and that was a group of young people and they said, but we don't know anything. And I said, we live in such a technologically advanced phase that that's no longer an acceptable <laughs> excuse. Yeah. You can Google anybody's name, anybody that knocks on your parents' door, you see uh, politicians' literature on the kitchen table, you can literally Google their name. Look at their issues, look at the things they're concerned with. Are they talking about things that affect you and your family? If so, support them. Drop by their office, figure out how you can help them get elected. If not, then see who's running against them. Should it be you someday? Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, we cut George loose earlier. George is back. George from Tonawanda. Welcome back to the program. Hi, Sorry. Did, did you hang up or did I cut you loose? Oh, George, I'm afraid I'm going to have to cut you loose again. We've got a terrible connection. You must be calling from a cell phone. I apologize. Um, um, you know, I mean, uh, you're you're right back on this discussion of your social studies class. Yes. Um, it's uh, you know what? Let, let me let me throw that question back at you, Bill Conrad. Sure. What do you do to encourage women uh, and men to get involved in politics? Well, you know, in in the government classes and so on, you finally you know you, you do a lot of like it's kind of like fact finding and, and figuring out what, what you are. And you know, you know, a lot of kids come in with their parents' background. You know, you're at home, you come in with that bias, but just you know, again, exposing them to everything, yes. but also providing opportunities for them to attend meetings. Those are like requirements for service hours are usually part mm -hmm. of the criteria, government classes and so on. Hey, hey, April, no, I, I, I know in my case I had a number of people who I look up to as, as uh, inspirational and probably had a hand in getting me into public service. Mm -hmm. As you look back at, at your life, was there, a, was there a teacher? Was there a relative? Was there a public official like, a, a, you know, I mentioned Betty Jean Grant earlier yes. who inspired you and said, I want to be like her like Betty him. Jean Grant, definitely one of them. Um, Shirley Chisholm, the great Art Eve. My uncle is actually a former legislator candidate. He ran for the assembly um, against Hoyt in uh, the early 70s and then uh, ran for the legislature against the first African-American female legislator, Millie, Millie Gillette, uh, in the later 70s. His name was Johnny B. Wiley. And even in his loss, he was a great community impact. There's still even, you know, a stadium named for him. I, I was going to say, Johnny yeah. B. Wiley, really? Yeah, so that's my great uncle. And so what I knew going into this was whether I won or lost. My uncle lost every race that he won, but he still changed the community to be the greatest. So. Well, 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 let me ask you this. Um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned your, your great uncle mm -hmm. and, and his accomplishments. What do you see in your future? Is uh, majority leader of the Erie County Legislature the end of it? <laughs> no. Well, I think wherever the door opens, wherever God leads me, that's where I'll walk. I do believe that I, I know that I want to leave some type of imprint. I work in higher education on the side as well, and I look at great the great Arthur Eve, and I look at a program like EOP and HEOP, and I'll say forever we will be able to look back on his service as a public servant, and we know that higher education has more accessibility for low-income uh, people for, of color because of this great man. So what am I going to leave behind? What legacy am I going to leave? I do think about that all the time. What position I'll play in leadership, in politics, I don't know. Where, if I win, I win. If I don't, I continue to serve. Well, well, well I also work in higher education on the side. And uh, I know that my election to the Erie County Legislature made a difference not only in my life and my family's life, but hopefully my constituents' lives, but also in the lives of my students yes. because I've been able to kind of – the two kind of dovetail, the two jobs kind of dovetail. I can bring some of my legislative stuff into the classroom and some of my classroom into the legislature. Have you found that to be the it's case? It's very true. So my program that I run in higher education focuses on teaching first-generation college students or students who come from low-income families how to survive and 
navigate through the college experience uh, because we live in a society that prepares kids to get into college but not survive. And you see people from these demographics often dropping out, even if they have an Excelsior scholarship or say a scholarship. It's not the financial burden, but it's navigating through the new world of higher education. And so with me serving in, as an elected official in a community that's in flux with poverty, I'm able to understand the reasons why these kids get so uncomfortable in higher education and can't figure out how to advocate for themselves and essentially drop out and then contribute to the poverty cycle that they came from. And that, and that so. crosses, I mean, that's, that's something that crosses race. I mean, we have a yes. high dropout rate across the board and retention rate. It is very what, what are some things that are working that you're noticing that maybe something that could be brought over for entire colleges? Experiential learning is something that I, I really believe that we just need to embrace. Again, speaking to technological advancements and the way uh, young people's attention is drawn into the classroom, I, I think it would benefit our education culture as a whole to come away we, from the traditional ways of teaching and just engaging. We, we, kids we have them. only about uh, 30 seconds left. So right. your your great uncle, Johnny B. Wiley, got a stadium named after you. What do you want named after you <laughs> in 30 years? I don't know. All right. Well, listen, listen, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to let you think about that. We'll okay. have you back on some other time. But it, it, for, for now, April, I want to thank you for being here. I know thank the legislature is in recess. I, I look forward to seeing you, working yes. with you for many years okay. to come. Listen, uh, when we return, uh, Jim Heaney from uh, Investigative Post will be here. Bill Conrad will still be here. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. Kevin Hardwick here. Uh, Bill Conrad, a member of the Tonawanda Council, also Democratic member of the Tonawanda Council, also uh, social studies teacher at Ken West, is uh, holding over as my guest host. We're joined in the studio now live by Jim Heaney. Jim is the executive director and editor of Investigative Post, if you're interested in the website. I'm told it's investigativepost.org, not .com, .org. Jim, welcome to the, the program. Nice to be here. In a uh, you know, I, I, I want to begin. Uh, I have a, a bone to pick with you. Um, I didn't mention <laughs> well, this. Get in, get no, in yeah, I'm sorry. This is ambush journalism, I realize it. But listen, um, recently Bob McCarthy, one of your old colleagues at the Buffalo News, uh, put up a column said that Governor Cuomo hasn't been here in eons. And the reason he isn't here is because he doesn't want to talk about the Buffalo Billion. And, of course, you're the guy at Investigative Post who really broke the whole Buffalo Billion scandal. So I blame you for the fact that I do not have access to my governor, and I want, to, want you to know that. Listen, we will, <laughs> we will talk about the Buffalo Billion in a little while. But before we do, give, give me a little background of the Investigative Post. How did it come to be? I mean, you used to be a reporter for the Buffalo News for, what, 25 years? or so 25 years. Were, were you in that first round of buyouts or what happened there no there have been uh, numerous rounds of buyouts uh i left it'll be seven years this coming month um you know when i was young i published a weekly newspaper in ken bailey uh went off to orlando florida work for the daily there before i came uh, to the buffalo news but i also ran a, a hockey business so i've kind of got an entrepreneurial flair <laughs> And, um, you know, as the newspaper business went into decline, um, I had a lot of ideas about how I thought journalism could and should be practiced. And I wanted to go out on my own and make a go of it. So uh, when a buyout offer came along at the Buffalo News, I fortunately had a wife who was willing to let me put uh, the family income <laughs> on the line. And uh, I started investigating a post literally with my credit card. Uh, oh yeah, it was really risky. I mean, I mean, just actually running a business, having having to hire people, um, it's it 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 had to be uh, had to be exciting at the same time. It had to be scary as hell. Uh, I kind of skipped over the scary part. I was pretty confident. Uh, I think in part because I'd been in business myself with my it was a hockey business, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know I thought. I can do this. Now, I can do this. Jim, was this a clean break, or did you just start something and kind of do it on the side? No, clean, clean break. I was, uh, I was, I was out what, the door, and uh, a week what later, was, I was working on investigative. Post. What was your vision for investigative post? Was this like full time Woodward and Bernstein stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, I, I mean, that's like a lawyer wanting to do Perry Mason all the time. You know, a lot of my students want to be lawyers, and they think it's, well, not Perry Mason. That's <laughs> You can't even talk Perry Mason that was L.A. You're law. What is it today? It's law and order, maybe? Yeah, you know, it went through, it went through cycles. I used to say to my students, Perry Mason, they knew what I was thinking of. Then it would be L.A. law, maybe, and then it was law and order. I mean, you know, you think it's, you think it's all the exciting stuff, uh, the Woodward and Bernstein, but a lot of newspaper business isn't that. But you want to do this sort of thing full time. Yeah, and well, I was doing it full time at the news, so it, it was, you know, in a lot of most investigative reporting is not exciting. It's it's grunt work. Anybody yeah. who saw the movie Spotlight, it, that was a very accurate depiction of all the grunt work and the boring hours that goes into M- much more so than say all the president's men. I was going to say that is well, an arduous all the president's book men to was, follow. Was, pretty good too but there's uh but in terms of but in terms of the grunt work i mean it was yeah. more, all the president's men was more like perry mason yeah, yeah. you know it's yeah. uh-huh, florida got this yeah. yes yeah. uh i don't that's just it's been in my blood so i decided i was 56 at the time it's like okay this is the final chapter of my career, and I, I want to go out guns blazing. So. How how have things uh, how have things gone for you? I mean, uh, I, I got to imagine it isn't exactly as you uh, uh, pictured it. It's there haven't been any real big surprises. I mean, I kind of knew what I was getting into. Nonprofit, uh, it, we're a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and nonprofit news organizations uh, have really come into vogue in the last ten years. So I had done my homework, and uh, you know, uh, had a sense of what the business model was. Had talked to folks who had started up other uh, news nonprofits. So I had a, I had a general sense, and because I'd been in this market so long, I, I knew journalistically mm-hmm. what needed to be done. Um, you were you were even president of your writers guild for a number of years, correct? Uh, well, I was I was very active. I was kind of like the uh, I was the heavy in the newspaper guild for for a lot of years, and uh, I, I didn't hold a lot of offices. I kind of was like without portfolio, which is kind of like whatever particular <laughs> hell I wanted to raise. The oh, guild man. was fine. Letting you're me the go cowboy. Out. Yeah, I did a lot. I did a lot of contract negotiations. Yeah, contract you, you know, negotiations. as you look back to the the place you left, the Buffalo News, as you look around the country, I mean, the Daily News being the most recent example. I mean, print journalism has just has, has changed so much. Is this uh, is this because of the way they they do the news? Is it because of uh, Craigslist taking away some so much of their classified advertising? Where wherein lies the blame? I think there are a couple of primary factors at play. First is audience fragmentation. I mean, all mainstream news uh, channels, outlets uh, are suffering. I mean, the web is kind of blowing everything up. So it used to be in Buffalo, uh, when, when you and I were young, there was the Buffalo News, there was the Courier, there were three TV stations, uh, a couple of radio mm-hmm. stations that had news, and maybe a series of different alternative weeklies. And that was about it. Well, now you've got, you know, eight bazillion cable channels. You've got the web. You've got... Uh, and, and so many of them don't contain any news whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, when, when, when you and I were growing up, it was impossible to avoid the news. I mean, when you and I were growing up, the big thing, the, the, the smartphone of back then was the TV. And we would sit in front of it. And if you wanted to sit in front of it at 6 o'clock at night, you got some local news. And at 6.30, you got, for me, it was Uncle Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Well, nowadays, you know, kids can watch, they can watch, God knows what they're watching. Yeah, so th- so there's just a lot of different outlets and a lot of different platforms that you mm-hmm. can get that on. So everybody is suffering. I, n- news, newspapers have taken the, the quickest dive. I think the second problem is the business model. And uh, the business model used to be built on scarcity. If you... We're an advertiser, and you wanted to reach mm-hmm. an audience. You had what I mentioned before. You had a couple of, uh, yeah. handful of TV stations, a couple of papers, a couple of radio stations. Now there are a bazillion ways, including social media, to reach that. So what's happened is that the advertising base, which really paid for the news. I mean, traditionally, newspaper subscribers cover about 25% of the cost of producing the newspaper. The rest was some form of advertising. Uh, and and that's you know advertisers have uh, largely gone away, subscribers have largely gone away. So the whole business model for newspapers is broken. What's keeping TV going is is they get a, a, a fee from from cable uh, to broadcast, and that's like a built-in subscriber mm-hmm. base, which is still 
while going down is not yeah it's more people employed talk talk to me briefly about your business model i mean you, you don't sell advertising no our business model is we're community supported journalism um I cover about a quarter of my overhead from uh, fees I make for the sale of content mm-hmm. to my partners at uh, WGRZ. Uh, Channel 2. Two on your side. Uh, WBFO. Uh, we don't recognize them. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Okay>. a rival. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mentioned it. Sorry. Uh, That's okay. We, then, we, we're on a like a big delay. That, yeah. that didn't go out over Beep. the air. <laughs> uh, and, and then I'm, uh, I'm okay. in the public. And I'm on the Capitol Press Room with Susan Arbetter. So the, all that covers about a quarter. And the rest is donations from uh, foundations, from major individual donors, and, and from small and, donors. And from people. Listen, we have to take a break now. But when, when we get back, I want to talk about uh, uh, the uh, – mention it uh, during the opening, the Buffalo Billion case, which mm-hmm. is uh, you broke. We'll be talking about that with Jim Heaney. Jim is the editor and executive director of Investigative Post. If you want to see more of what they do, investigativepost.org is the website you want to go to. Uh, Bill Conrad will be back here, too, asking questions. I'm here, Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. There we go, talking off air and getting uh, getting our discussions into the on-air portion again. Kevin Hardwick here, sitting with uh, Jim Heaney, very interesting person, former Buffalo News reporter, uh, investigative reporter there, now uh, off on his own investigative post, uh, investigativepost.org. He is the uh, executive director. He's also the editor of Investigative Post. Bill Conrad from the Tonawanda Town Board and Ken West High School is uh, still here. Uh, I said before the break, we talk a little bit about Buffalo Billion. Um, uh, you know, uh, Buffalo Billion, uh, um, something that the governor obviously doesn't want to talk about. Uh, I assume you're not on his Christmas card list because you really broke the scandal. How did that all come about? I mean, it started with some foil requests, didn't it? Well, I had, I was, I was covering, I was covering the story, and uh, I got a, I got a call one day from somebody in the development community who said. Heaney, this this request for proposal process is is not on the up and up. You you should look into it. So, I I, I looked into it and uh, eventually asked for a copy of the request for proposal and read it and saw where lo and behold, uh, one of the specifications was you had to. What, was that your name be Simonelli? <laughs> <laughs> not quite. But you had to be a developer in Buffalo for 50 years, five yeah, zero five years. Zero. Yeah, five zero. So that kind of raised uh, some red flags. I, I, went, I still remember the day I went down to uh, the Erie County Public Library. I pulled up the business uh-huh. first book of lists. I looked up developers. The column had uh, year incorporated. And guess what? There was only one developer in Buffalo been in business for 50 years. So I called back Elaine Carleros and I said, explain this to me. And he explained what sounded like a very legitimate selection process. And I said, okay, so there's a paper trail on this, right? Absolutely. You're going to share this with me, right? Absolutely. Boom, boom, out went the lights. There was no further communication. There was the biggest runaround. I mean, I've been a reporter for uh Close to forty years. Now, this now, was the biggest runaround I had ever gotten in my life. Th- this was what a couple years ago. That's two thousand fourteen. Okay, more than a couple years. Yeah, ago. four uh, four years ago, uh, and uh, you know the first. And they, and they changed it to fifteen because of that foil. Yeah, process. well, it was a clerical mistake, of course. You <laughs> know, and and so I wound up. Um, I wound up. The first story I wrote was was about the fifty. But it was also just about the lack of transparency and the extreme lengths that the state had gone to to try and not disclose the details of anything involving this. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Preet Bharara, you know, somebody in his office, you know, read the story and thought, hmm, maybe this is something we should look into. And they launched their investigation. Of course, prosecutors have subpoena power and other, you know, tools that reporters don't have. And, you know, have they acknowledged you for that? I mean, do they give you any acknowledgement? Uh, Barrara, when he announced the indictments, uh, uh, gave credit to an investigative reporting center in Buffalo that had tipped him off. So, you know, if you're listening, thanks, (laughs) Preet. 
Well, uh, 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 you still have your job, and he doesn't. So, I mean, you you made out better than so Barrara when that. <laughs> I think he's doing okay. So, so I mean, did it did it end there? I mean, once the uh, no. once the uh, uh, prosecutors uh, took it over, did did your investigation of the Buffalo Billion end? No, I mean, we've done myself and Charlotte Keith, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of my reporters, a uh, very talented um, reporter. We've done oh god, ten, twelve follow up investigations. We've looked into the awarding of the contract for the Conventus building where AMRI went. We've looked into IBM. And that was one of the first pro- uh, programs out of the Buffalo Yeah, building, yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, th- there's uh, we've done stuff on the shaky finances of uh, what is now Tesla. Uh, we've, we've continued to just keep digging because when you're spending a uh, billion dollars of the taxpayer money uh, and you're trying to hide what you're doing, it gets the attention of people like Jim Heaney and Charlotte Keith. So, you know, what we found is a pattern of uh, the governor and his people coming in and making a big splash with an announcement, and all these great things are going to happen, and sometimes they're, uh, one of the things that happens is political contributors get contracts, uh, uh, and it's, it's just not with the, with the Tesla project. I mean, the whole AMRI building, I mean, that was also no big contract going to LP Simonelli, and uh, and uh, so you've got that. You've got, and then you've got the follow up. You know what actually happens, and there has not been uh, at AMRI and at IBM uh, so far, and they still got some time to make good, but there has not been the kind of job creation that the governor claimed there was going to be uh, at Tesla uh, with the solar plant. Uh, uh, things have changed. I mean, Solar City's become Tesla. Uh, Tesla's on very shaky financial ground. And they're using what Panasonic now? For yeah, they're they're in there as a partner. And and Solar Tesla in particular uh, has a very uh, contemptuous attitude toward the public's right to know what they're doing with the plant that we built them. So you've got you've got a lot of money being spent and the state doing its best to not be transparent. And a lot of this, you know, happened under the watch of Elaine Carlieros. But it's continuing to happen under the watch of Howard Zemsky, who's a big power player in Buffalo and is the state economic development commissioner. And it's unfortunate that uh, the folks in Albany haven't seemed to have learned the lesson of what happens when you are not transparent about how you spend the public's money. But you've got to understand their game plan. Their game plan is to get headlines and to give the public the appearance that they're doing something. And I've got to point out that if all these job projections came out to be true, uh, we're adding a couple thousand jobs into a market of 550, 575,000 jobs. It's if, if the Buffalo Billion is successful, it's not going to have a huge impact on the economy because we're only talking a handful of projects. Um, I think it has had a psychological impact, um, and that's in part because you've got the governor uh, saying, I'm going to spend a billion dollars, and who's mm-hmm. not going to be excited Yeah, excited about <laughs> that? And part of it is, frankly, the press, for the most part, not everybody, but the press, for the most part, is kind of kind of regurgitated that message without a whole lot of uh, well, a whole well, lot well of let me let me follow up on that you said that your inquiry into the RFP and and the awarding of the uh, the bid for uh, the buffalo uh, the, uh, the the project there uh, began with a tip from someone in the development community who said you know you ought to look into this and obviously you you did and we see the result uh, had investigative reports a uh, report not been around would your person in the development community had gone to someone at, you know, the Buffalo News or one of the TV stations, and might we have received the same result? Um, I, I, or would we not have heard about any of this? I think my source probably would not have. And if he had, uh, you just have to look at, at the flavor of the coverage of the Buffalo Billion which in most outlets has been favorable, if not fawning. Uh, uh, you know, investigative posts. Well, sure, it's Buffalo and it's a billion dollars. Why would you not before yeah. that? Yeah. But are, I mean, are, are, are you unpatriotic? Do you, not, do you not like Buffalo? 
Jim, I, I, mean, I, it's I like also it. a psychological. I, like I mean, it. it was such a boost, you know, psychologically. Yeah, it was, I, I it like made it us when, feel good about ourselves. I, I like it when taxpayer money is spent wisely. That's what I like. You, well, that soun't like he's running for governor. No, the That's that's our line. No, who's the politician here? No, you know, so much of what we do is 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 nonpartisan in nature because, you know, we're locally focused. I mean, I do have aspirations of someday taking this thing statewide, but right now we're focused locally. And uh, uh, what we're about is, you know, I want clean, honest, efficient government uh, and politicians who are acting in the public interest, not their self-interest. And uh, unfortunately, we're, we're in a community where most people in politics act out of self-interest. Sorry, Kevin, I'm not reflecting well, well, no, on you. Look at Bill. No, or, or, or you. you. No, or you. No, 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 look no, at, no, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at me. Got it. All right. Let's keep looking at Kevin. Uh, All right. Well, uh, it's been great this morning. I'm sorry we're going to end the show half an hour early. Uh, actually, actually, we do have to we do have to break, and uh, not a moment too soon. Neil, <laughs> members of the public, I'm Neil, 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 Neil McManus is standing by with news headlines. When we return, uh, Jim Heaney, uh, Investigative Post's uh, editor and their executive director will be here. Bill Conrad will be here. I'll be, I'll be back here. Uh, we'll invite your participation. If you have a question for Jim on the Buffalo Billion or anything, 803-0930, the number you want to call, 803-0930. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And we are back. This is Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline. Got another, oh, 24 minutes or so to go. Jim Heaney live in the studio. Jim is the executive director and uh, editor of Investigative Post. If you want to learn more about what they do, if you want, I'm sure there's a contribute argue, or contribute uh, tab on your, on your website. Yeah, yes, is. donate. You can donate. And we're because relying you're non-profit. on community support. Investigativepost.org. .org. Um, you recently had a fundraiser. I was out of town in, uh, at a wedding in Chattanooga. I would have been there. I would have been there. Um, Your absence I, was noted. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was. <laughs> but you have, you have events like that throughout the year, right? Yeah, we've got an event series. Uh, we do something in July. Tom Tolles, who's on my board, mm -hmm. the former editorial cartoonist at the Buffalo News, who's now at the Washington Post. Uh, Tolles is also, uh, he went away to Washington. It, it's funny, Tolles... Uh, is Tol Tol's former uh, Canisius College Griffin uh, cartoonist. No, Can UB Spectrum. UB Spectrum. Yes. Oh, UB. No, I'm thinking of Adam Ziegler. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. My well, wrong. Wrong cartoonist. Tol Tol's is uh, like the ultimate introvert, and he went to Washington and he joined a rock and roll band. Actually, joined two of them. <laughs> And he's uh, in, now he he plays his side job, is not a job, his side passion, is being a drummer in a rock and roll band. So I paired Tom up with the Outliers, which is a band with friends of mine. And uh, so three, no, four of the last five summers in July, we do a show at the Outliers. Uh, I mean, we do a show with the Outliers at the uh, at the Sportsman's Tavern. Wow. Uh, by the way, Bill Conrad, uh, we held him over, too, because he had nothing else to do and his wife wanted to get rid of him. On a, uh, he, he said that on a, uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, listen, uh, let's, uh, let's start to go to the callers. If you have a uh, question, uh, 803-0930 is the number to call to speak to, uh, uh, speak to Jim Heaney of Investigative Post. Let's start first with, uh, with Bob from Buffalo. Bob, welcome to the program. Hello, Bob. Hi, Jim. Um, I'm wondering if you have uh, an opinion or if you've been following the uh, Phoenix, the state-subsidized Phoenix project out in Dunkirk. And along those same lines, uh, if you have uh, an opinion about the cancellation of the conversion of the coal-fired power plant in Dunkirk, they were talking two years ago about converting that to natural gas, which was supposed to be... Uh, a, a great uh, thing for the Dunkirk area and for the environment. Uh, do you have opinions about those two issues? Uh, all right. Will, Bob, thank you for the question. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll let Jim respond. What else are you working on, Jim? Well, I, we, we have not been working on the Athenex uh, piece, so I, I can't say I have an informed opinion. Uh, I think the challenge with Dunkirk is, uh, on one hand, uh, there's a push to do something big to make up for 
the big thing that in, they in Tonawanda we have the loss of the Huntley, the Huntley power yeah. plant. And, yeah. So yeah, I, I think people in public office are are kind of between a rock and a hard place because you want to do something for a community that's lost a big job creator and, and tax revenue generator. Substantial. Um, but you want to be smart about it at the same time. And do you do that by another big thing or mm -hmm. do you do it by a bunch of little things? But with Huntley as well, that's, that isn't anything that we've, we've okay. covered closely. Let, so. Let's move on to callers at 803 uh, Let's go to John in Rochester. John, welcome to the program. Hey, hey, Kevin. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, I got, a, I got uh, two questions. One, one is, what was Howard Zemsky's role, if, if anything, in this trial? And number two, uh, you know, I was observing the trial through the newspapers, uh, the Buffalo News and also uh, Democrat and Chronicle here in Rochester. And I'll tell you, throughout the trial, I just got the feeling when I was reading that these guys were going to get off. I didn't hmm. think the evidence was that strong. There was a lot of contradictory testimony, and he had, uh, I forget, a couple of witnesses were not that credible against them. And it seemed to me uh, those two publications uh, made a strong case for an acquittal, and I was kind of shocked at the outcome. Uh, and the other observation I have, the New York City, having the trial done in New York City, uh, I think probably was a detriment to the defendants. Uh, people in that, I think it might have been in Manhattan, actually, uh, they mm -hmm. are uh, anti-big business, and when it comes to large contractors, you think there was a bias there, and if they would have had the trial in Buffalo or Syracuse, you think it would, oh. the outcome would have been different. Okay, hey, John, uh, thanks for putting that all on the table. We'll get Jim's response. All right, let's unpack it. Remind me what the first question uh, was. Zemsky's role. Howard had no role in any of these shenanigans. Um, uh, You'll get him on something else. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, fair, I think <laughs> I think Howard Howard is basically an honest guy. I think Howard, unfortunately, has drank the Cuomo Kool Aid, but you know, Howard's an honest guy, uh, and I think, uh, and I know, uh, I know that he was not comfortable with certain things that were going down. Carleros. Is mm -hmm. is wearing the black hat uh, on the Buffalo Billion stuff? This is not this is not at all Howard Zemsky's doing. Uh, guilt, uh, you know. I I read the testimony, and we we received. We were part of a consortium of news organizations that were reading that were uh, obtaining the uh, mm -hmm. the trial transcripts verbatim uh, every night. And you know, my take on it was different. Uh, I, and I said this during the course of the trial. I don't know if these gentlemen were guilty of the specific charges, but they sure were guilty of something. I mean, I thought there was a great, uh, a great deal of evidence introduced that showed that there was unethical, underhanded, completely unacceptable behavior on the part of all parties. And uh, they were sure guilty of something. So you didn't go down to the trial. I thought you might have wanted to go down there and like like a victory lap or something like that. No, no. I, it's the, everybody and their brother was covering it. Yeah. We, we go, we go where others. Don't. You had other things going on. Let's yeah. uh, let's. Well, and, and the last point uh, the the, the uh, caller made was oh, the bias. Uh, the no, bias. That's nonsense. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, uh, I. Yeah, it's just, okay. Just not let's uh, let's squeeze in another call before the break. Let's go back to uh, uh, let's go to a different John. John, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. The problem I'm wondering about the secretive selection process that's going on currently to find a new location for the uh, Erie County. For for Erie County for what, John? I'm sorry. For, for the convention center, the convention center, and I'm wondering if that search process should have more light shed on it. But you know, your first caller reminded. Mm -hmm of another issue, if I might, and that is, where do these politicians who, in the uh, words of Jim Haney, have self-interest over public interest, once they do their service, if you call it that, elective service, when they leave, where do they wind up? Some of them wind up with big jobs from the party bosses because they sold the taxpayers down the river, and they give them a big job like they gave uh, a couple of them, I'll, I won't say who. Mm -hmm. Your first caller mentioned one of them, and she's got a bigger job with a bigger pension, and we're all paying for that. So, Jim Haney, have you ever thought about having a 
an article about where these politicians wind up when they get rewarded at the end of their career with a bigger job and also the convention center. So uh, John, 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 uh, before you before you go, um, are you still there? Yes, I am. Um, I, I got to believe by the by the tone of your question that you can appreciate what Jim does. Oh, I think he's the best. Okay. All right. I want, are you are you a donor? <laughs> All right, John. Thank you. Thank you for putting out out there. You've made Jim Heaney smile. We'll get his response before we go to the break. Thanks, John. Uh, actually, Kevin, you'd probably be better. I, is there a secret process for selecting? I'm not, I, no, I'm not no. You know, I, I I don't think so. There were some allegations that uh, there there was uh, there was a uh, proposed change in the contract with the consulting firm that was looking to add a a, a site to be named later. But uh, and I, there was something you know the 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 uh, apparently the county executive knew where it was uh, that they were looking and the the um, explanation was we don't want to tell everybody because of land speculators well, that's and all saying, that. Isn't there a worry about grass? Yeah, there was there was so, you know, there was that. So I I'm not sure about that, but they the uh he does bring up the uh, John who just uh we just uh, hung up on does bring up some good points about politicians uh, after they retire just like in Washington um around here doing better yeah. you know by virtue yeah, I, I of their make a note time that he's in office. At you again. Okay. No. Well, <laughs> well, it's yeah, where are you going? <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm not at liberty to discuss that. I, uh, I, I think that's been fairly well documented. I mean, I don't yeah. know if we need to go out and do a story. I, I you know, uh, especially uh, if congressmen and so on. Well, I mean, even locally, uh, uh, Betty Jean Grant went to the board of elections. There was a Republican legislator. Was oh Ted Mort? Yeah, who went yeah. someplace? But, I, but I those are those are partisan positions. Board of elections. I, I, I don't have a problem. I mean, people talk about that I, as a patronage dumping ground. You want. Right? You want Democrats and Republicans no, there. See, That's the way I, the system is set up. I think the Board of Elections should be politically independent because otherwise you've got the, uh, you've got the fox watching the chicken coop. Well, no, you've got the fox watching the other fox. That's yeah, the way it's set the, up but, in New but, York State. Yeah, but We're going to disagree you, on this one. Well, listen. They have I, a political affiliation. You know? I want a real watchdog, not a Democrat watching Republican because I, it, one it hand works. washes the other. It works. It one works. Well, we disagree on this one. Listen, we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll have one more segment with uh, Jim Heaney of Investigative Post. Bill Conrad will be here also. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back, Kevin Hardwick, uh, Hardline, uh, Bill Conrad, my guest co-host from the Tonawanda uh, Common Council, not Town Board. Council, Town Board, thank you, a oh. Democrat from there, and also uh, also a Kenton West uh, school teacher, uh, social studies teacher, uh, Jim Haney from uh, Investigative Post here. Jim, I want to uh, shift uh, our focus, uh, not talk about uh, you so much as the, uh, you know, the important, the successful Heenies, um, <laughs> starting with your daughter, Erin, uh, who I got to know when she was uh, involved with the, well, she was executive director of a real nonprofit organization, <laughs> the uh, Clean Air Coalition. The Clean Air Coalition. your way, Kevin. The Clean Air Coalition. <laughs> Which uh, which led the uh, uh, led the fight against Tonawanda Coke and mm-hmm. eventually resulted in big changes in that community. All kidding aside, you have to be incredibly proud of what she has accomplished. Yeah, first with Clean Air Coalition, she's now co-executive director of a national organi- organization called Showing Up for Racial Justice, which is an organization uh, of several hundred chapters nationwide, including here in Buffalo. Uh, their mission is to get white people to address the issue of racism. They're, they're not big fans of the current president. Uh, I think that's safe to say. Um, they, uh, you know, they are, uh, again, you know, uh, their worldview is, as I understand it, is that uh, it's up to white people uh, who are the perpetrators of racism to do something to stem that tide. And, uh, and they, you know, they've been... Involved in any number of actions, both uh, locally and nationally, in in, in different uh, places. At, at times, she makes me nervous because when there's <laughs> trouble somewhere, she winds up being dispatched. And uh, is you know. is that genetic? Yeah, yeah. My father, <laughs> my 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 father was a human rights attorney who represented political prisoners in Ireland. 
So we come from a, uh, and, and my, my one grandfather was uh, charged with gun running for the IRA in the, in the early part of the century. So uh, the apples have not fallen so, so far the, from the tree Aaron's, for generations. Aaron's rabble rousing is, is nothing out of the ordinary for the Heaney family. She, she, I don't think genetically she had any uh, choice. All, again, all kidding aside, I, I was just a, a big fan of Aaron's when she was with uh, – uh, with the Clean Air Coalition, the work that that organization did. I mean, a, a, a grassroots organization, a nonprofit, basically, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say bringing a, a large corporation like Tonawanda Coke to its knees. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in, in, incredible. Incredible. And they've been yeah. a, an incredible partner with the town in our Tonawanda Clean, clean Air Coalition yeah. and, goes and, on. And, uh, and, and under Re- Rebecca Newberry. They, Rebecca Newberry they is super also. to really carry the fight and very effective. And, and there's a lot going on now with Tonawanda Coke, of course, and, sure. and Black Smoke that a lot of people have seen coming there. And the Collapse, the, uh, uh, the DEC has come down on them hard. And, finally. And, yeah. Finally. I we'll, mean, we'll see. Although, I mean, I mean, I mean you look at the progression you, of fines all the way. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever get into uh, uh, battles like that, or are you just looking at government? Of course, government has an has a uh, a role in in industrial polluters like uh, like Tonawanda Coke. Do you do you you know ever venture over there? Do you do you stick with the Buffalo Billion and? and oh no, we've like got our, our beat coverage. I've got uh, when I fully staff up again by the end of summer, we'll have. Uh, three reporters, uh, one focused on environmental issues. You were doing a lot on the Skajakota Creek, as I yeah, recall. Yeah, we've done a lot on environmental Dan was doing that. Now he's moved on. Yeah, he's moved on. Uh, I've got uh, someone joining me, Sarah Jerving, uh, who's uh, publishing credits, including New York Times. Uh, who, uh, you know, We've done Skajakota Creek. We've done lead poisoning uh, in, uh, in, in Buffalo's inner city. We've done uh, uh, a lot of air and ground uh contamination in Niagara County. You know, there's a lot of environmental problems in this community. I've got a, a second uh, a reporter coming on who's going to take on, uh, will continue the work of Daniela Porat, uh, uh, Marsha McLeod, who is going to continue to do uh, criminal justice. Uh, we've got a particular, I, I think, I've got a particular interest in looking at bail and the way that's used and abused uh, against low-income people. And then uh, Charlotte Keith, the aforementioned Charlotte Keith, who is doing a lot on uh, on economic development and graft corruption, et cetera. I'm not doing a ton of reporting anymore because I'm also I'm editing, I'm fundraising, I'm I water the plants every Friday. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to clean up my desk Friday. It took me an hour and a half. So, you know, there's a lot that goes with, with running – with running the business, and while we're a nonprofit, we're you know in many ways a small business. Are are, are there things that you are working on now that uh, you can't tell us about? I mean, is uh, is Erie County Water Authority on? No, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, don't go there. Uh, I, I, no, actually, I'm I, I, I'm wondering whether you're doing something that you know you think, well, this is going to pop, but I got to keep it quiet. I don't want them to know that I'm onto them. We generally don't advertise uh, ahead of time what we're doing because the norm. Uh, at both particularly state level, but also to a fair degree city level, at least if you're dealing with the city of Buffalo, uh, there is such a concerted effort on the part of government to stonewall journalists. Mm -hmm. And it's not just us, but when when all you're doing is investigative reporting, you really get stonewalled. And, you know, you don't want to telegraph what you're doing to people who you know are going to try and figure out a way of stopping you from doing what you're doing. So we, we like to uh, we like to be upfront with the people that we're dealing with, but when the time is right. So in answer to your question, uh, I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know the, nothing. the Sergeant Schultz uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, answer. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Charlotte Keith and some of the work she's doing on economic development. I know that uh, folks, as long as I've been in the community, which is darn near 30 years now, We've talked about the fact that we have too many IDAs. There are too many tax breaks being given in too many places. I mean, I have my own feelings. And I'm sure Bill does also teaching Absolutely. teaching this stuff at uh, at Ken West. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know that uh, that there are some problems. Uh, that uh, that maybe we do give away too much. Although there are there are good uses for many of these tax breaks, and I think people don't understand some of them. Uh, where do you come down? I think there's a basic tension between. Uh, 
giving away uh, tax subsidies mm -hmm. to developers or businesses uh, and to a select few versus lowering taxes and lowering the cost of doing businesses for the benefit of for everybody. You, you have, you know, I, I use as the example, I mean, you've got your examples of your donut shops and your pizza shops and your car dealers and your, your, your su supermarkets who we give tax, who get tax breaks and they just don't make sense because all it does is take business from another donut shop yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you got a company, I mean, the, the, the perfect example for me and my, my son, uh, my middle son works at Geico. Uh, is Geico. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a company that could have their call center anywhere in the world, not just anywhere in the country, and they choose it here. And if you don't give them some sort of tax incentive, uh, they're going to take it someplace else, and that creates a lot of decent-paying jobs uh, for at least my son. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the dilemma because you know. I mean, I mean that's something I, I know, but like, no, I, you I keep, keep we keep talking about it. It's almost like crack cocaine for these businesses. You know, they become addicted to but, it. But and then they but you know, there's back. a difference between Geico and a car dealership. Unless oh, a car a unless a without car dealership is going to get people coming from Nebraska to buy a car here yes. rather than Nebraska. But you know, a call center like Geico, or there are plenty of other examples. Sure. I mean. If, Ford and GM plants. I mean, mm -hmm. they could they could locate someplace else. Absolutely. There go those I, great paying jobs. Well, I I think the key is is it going to is it going to bring additional wealth into the community, or is it just mm -hmm. reshuffling the wealth within the community? And uh, you know, an auto plant is going to export its uh, exactly and, and bring wealth back. And the other thing is, are you subsidizing locally owned or or multinationals? Because if you're subsidizing locally owned. All right. Well, then you're you're potentially creating some folks who have wealth who can spin that wealth off into other activities. It's a it's a complicated issue. I think for the most part, the way economic development subsidies are being used is by politicians uh, to make themselves look good. I, I don't think in a lot of cases there's there's a lot of economic rationale for doing what gets done but there's a lot of uh i'm going to use the word self-service again well uh i certainly think that's there i'm not quite as skeptical as you are but we will let that be the last word because our hour has come to a close uh want to thank my guest host uh, bill conrad thank for you. being here again today jim heaney from investigative post the editor and executive director one more time jim that website where people can donate if they want investigativepost.org and uh they 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 do great work and if you have a few thousand dollars uh <laughs> stop by actually uh, uh I'm talking five to... or ten would be appreciated. all right all right want, want to thank <laughs> uh, want, want to thank my guest today want to thank sean murphy for producing i'm kevin hardwick you you've been listening to hardline on news radio 930 wben Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.